Every year during the Christmas season, we spend time and money on Christmas gifts. But did you know that the greatest and most extravagant gift was given to us by God? That gift is His Son. In our four-week series, Extravagance, we focus on great gifts God has promised us through Jesus Christ. Listen in as today's teaching pastor, Ron King, shares with us what real extravagance truly looks like. Morning, church family. Aren't you grateful that Eva didn't call? We got to join that worship song. Um, I have a friend whose name is Alan Kraft. He recently wrote a book about the Holy Spirit, and um, in it he talks about one of his mentors who was uh, helping him. And in their small group, this guy would always start off in prayer, praying, praying. Uh, Father, we pray that your spirit would not just be resident, but be president. I like that. And uh, that song reminded me of that great theme that we're here, not just so that we would appreciate the residency of God and that if we're a believer in him, that he has come to dwell in us, but that he would be president, that he would be the one who makes the calls and provides leadership for us. So... um, I just uh, appreciated that moment where we were together reflecting on the glory of God and this wonderful movement that God is about in our lives. We're going to take the next four weeks, and we're going to try to think more deeply, come to a greater appreciation and uh, gratitude for the generosity of God. And what better place to start than getting to know him and who he is in a more deeper, more profound way. There is perhaps, at least for me, no, uh, no stronger statement, no richer or fuller explanation and more uh, thought-provoking text in Scripture than that that's found in John chapter 1. And I'd invite you to turn your Bible open to the Gospel of John, which is the fourth book in the New Testament. If you're not familiar how to get around in the Bible, you can ask a friend who is next to you. They'll, they won't think less of you. They, they're just happy that you're opening the Bible. The John chapter 1, there's Bibles provided for you right in front. And uh, the book is divided into chapters. We're at the very beginning of John. The Gospels all explain the story of Jesus in a little bit different way, give an account. And this one starts with this grand statement, really profound, provocative statement of who Jesus is. When the Jews first heard or read these words, they were struck because the words really were blasphemous. They were describing Jesus as God himself, divine. And in fact, every chapter of the book of John does that, reinforces the message of John chapter 1. When the Greeks read it, they thought of this description of Jesus as the word, as um, more of a thought, a philosophy. But John writes that the word became flesh, put bones on. And the reason why this whole thing, why John writes this, is that we might understand the incredible overwhelming generosity of God and who he is and what he's done for us. It's staggering. 
we think about it? I'm going to read the words, and then we're going to dive into the text. John chapter 1, and we're just going to read the first 18 verses. In the beginning was the Word. That's, um, in the original language, the logos. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him, not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came into his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right To become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. I hear amen for that. That's all you got this morning? (laughs) (laughs) And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The one and the one only God who was at the father's side. He as Jesus has made him known. Yeah, I agree with that, Rick. There are moments where I become keenly aware of the inadequacy of my language. Approaching a text like this, uh, you step back and think, uh, oh, this, this is sacred ground. This is, this is really rich, moving material that, that's being revealed to us. How is it that we know, with all of our limits and our limitations and our inadequacies, a limitless God? I have a hunger to do that. And actually, out of the rich generosity of God, it's implanted in me this hunger to know him. But there's no way I could unless he did what he did. That is, that he came in the flesh so that I might know, so that Emily might know who he is so that all of us might experience him and know who God is fully. So John begins by telling us that God has been remarkably generous. Why remarkably generous? Well, he didn't owe me anything. He didn't didn't have to let me be known. In fact, most of the religious systems in the world, God cannot be known. But it's so different here, what John is saying, that God actually 
created us, this great sovereign God wanted us to enter into relationship with him and to be known. And so he had a plan so that I might know him fully. He came. He didn't have to do that. It was an act of great generosity, limitless generosity. And his coming to earth came at such a a steep personal price, didn't it? Have you considered that and pondered about that for a moment? The, the price that the Lord God paid so that we might know his generosity and know him. There are all kinds of texts that remind us about it. And as we celebrate the Advent, these four weeks that surround Christmas, um, we're going to think about and be encouraged by, stimulated by the generosity of God. And, and um, I wanted to remind you of some of these things that God has done. So rehearse a couple of texts with me. The first is found in Luke chapter 2, just the book ahead of John. And every gospel describes a little bit different the life of Christ, all giving a seamless description of him, but from a little different viewpoint. And in Luke, it tells us some of the physical descriptions of the coming of our Lord, the coming of this light that John speaks of. And he gives this description starting in chapter 2, and I'll begin in verse 4. And Joseph also went up from Galilee in the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Have you heard those words before? Have you thought about the staggering generosity of God and what they're describing? That is the God, the sovereign God of heaven and earth, the one described in John chapter 1, who created all things. This same God humbled himself and hopped into a womb and came out in a manger in this humblest of settings so that we might know him so that we might understand who God is. That's, that's a generous plan. That's a way over-the-top generous plan. Sue and I, we first moved to Michigan. We had some neighbors across the street. Actually, friends of mine said, Ron, when you move to Michigan, there's two things you can't do. We were from California. First, um, you know, um, don't come back a NASCAR fan. Hey, don't come back with camo and, and NASCAR stuff because that would be weird. You know, we're from Southern California. And, and um, so my neighbor across the street is in charge of Michigan International Speedway. He's the president of this big portion of NASCAR, right? And, and um, he and his wife, so generous. We're, they're there. We don't even know them. They come over and give us a welcome gift. It's a $500 gift certificate for Cabela's. We didn't even... <laughs> We didn't even know how great that was because what they were saying is, okay, you're from San Diego and this is Michigan. You're going to need some clothes. You know, you're, you're going to need some warm clothes. And, um, and just down the street was Cabela's. And we didn't understand how great that gift was. We just knew it was very generous. But the generosity of God for us is so much more astounding than that gift of our friends. These new friends who, who just surprised us with their generosity 
It's the surprising generosity of a God who would come in the flesh for us and go through this. Isaiah 53 is another wonderful text that gives us a description of his generosity. Turn there in the Old Testament, Isaiah 53, starting in the middle of verse 2, gives us this description. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him. Wait a second. This is the God of heaven and earth, one full of beauty and majesty and glory, who enters into earth in this form. Could have entered in any way he wanted to. Most handsome person ever. Could have easily done that, but didn't choose that way. And no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Think about the generosity of that statement. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He came into his own, and his own did not receive him, John tells us. How, how generous that is of God. And this familiar text in Philippians chapter 2, turn, if you would, over to Philippians. Again, in the New Testament, Philippians chapter 2. For some of us, a familiar text, but again, think about it in the context of the generosity of God. Have this mind among yourselves, verse 5, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or held onto, but emptied himself or made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is the generosity of God that we celebrate in the Advent season. How staggering is this generosity and how glorious it is for us. So we want to think more deeply about it. And not just think about it, ponder it for the sake of being great thinkers, but actually be moved by it and shaped by it. The object of our time together is to refresh and inspire and encourage us so that we might enjoy the Lord. Did you know that? That that you should fully enjoy the Lord and enjoy him more fully today than you did yesterday. And that's the process this month. Hopefully you'll be taking great joy and delight, not just in the trappings of the season, but in the glory of God who has given himself for you. And to become like him more fully. That's the point of the generosity where it moves, the generosity of God moves us to become like him. And this morning, we're celebrating the extravagant generosity of God's rich gift of life. So John, to help us understand that, begins at the beginning. Stretching into eternity past was the logos, the gift, the word that was given to us, God's communicating to us. 
so that we might have life, his speaking life into us. Verse 3 tells us that this logos, this word, it was responsible for creating everything. There's nothing that has life that exists that we know of without his creative touch. Every dog and cat, every whale and redwood, every cosmos, every galaxy and quark is a result of the creativity and the touch of God. And it is a gift to us that proclaims life in his name. How sweet is the generosity and overwhelming is the generosity of this God toward us. See, his immense power and reach, his breathtaking creativity, and his eternal nature is is communicated to us in the first three verses of John chapter 1 so that we might understand the nature of the giver. If I, I'll never capture and understand the profound gift that I have in God if I don't understand who he is, who the giver is, and how I did not deserve this at all in the first place. How great and immense and wonderful God is and how small and undeserving I am. And yet he gives because he calls me by faith to become his child. He just wants me to appreciate how great and generous he is. And this this gospel of John, the whole book of John, the, the main point of it is that people would understand that Jesus is God and that he alone can save us, and he does. He acted so that I might know. Had two guys come to the door dressed nicely, and entered into conversation with them. And they have a different perspective of John chapter 1. And uh, this happened quite a few years ago. And I, um, you know, I, I thought, oh, here's my chance. I'm going to prove them wrong, you know. And so I whipped out my Greek text and brought it to the door. <clears throat> and um, I was going to make a point that, you know, they say in their translation that at the beginning of John chapter 1, it says Jesus was a God. I said, no, you don't understand that. I was going to say, you don't understand that. The text, that there's no article in the original language. Here's the original language in the manuscript. In fact, no manuscript in the original has the article in it. It's Jesus was God. That's what it's saying in John. But then I realized I don't want to have a a petty argument about Greek grammar that they don't know anything about. Here's the big picture in John chapter 1. And in fact, every chapter of John and in the word that the word was God. And it demonstrates it that Jesus was God in the flesh. How great is that? And how great a picture you're missing the generosity of God in this. That this sovereign God has loved us and given himself for us. He became flesh. The word became flesh and gave himself to us as a gift. How great is that? You're missing how great the gift is. That's the discussion we want to have with our neighbors. Not some argument, but just describing the gift through the way that we react to the gift, to his generosity, that that we become like the Lord God in the way that we live life as generous men and women. Think of it this way. um, You get a gift this Christmas that you didn't ask for. It's it's a watch. You don't think much of it. You think, oh, maybe, you know, it's a knockoff. Someone got it off eBay or whatever, and 
looks nice. But then you discover that this watch that you hold in your hand that this person gave to you, you even know that well, is a Brigitte Grand Complication Marine Antoinette. That watch, you know how much it's worth? $45,000. Is that what you said? That's a lot of money for a watch. This watch is worth $30 million. That's a lot. What would you do with that watch? Yeah, you'd sell it. Yeah. Like if you're like me, what are you going to do with that watch around the house, right? You're going to try to convert it and then do something with $30 million. That would be a staggeringly great present, right? What would, and how would you say thank you to that person who gave you that watch? Impossible, right? Yeah, it just pales in comparison to the generosity of God. That picture is a lame picture of, of what God actually gave to me and to Sue and to you. How do I place a value on life, an eternal life, a relationship with a sovereign God? I can't. It's far greater than a, a financial gift or a gift that, that would be like this watch given to me. See, the worth of that watch pales in comparison to the gift of life in our Lord Jesus Christ. Because what John is communicating is that Jesus is the fountainhead of life. And that life that he gives to us of immeasurable worth is the light of men. Was that a phone call of Eva right now that I just heard? I don't know. The we're talking about life, so I thought it was totally appropriate. Right? <laughs> I could search for the Ponce de Leon for, in the Amazon or outside of Fresno or wherever and maybe find it, but it wouldn't compare to this wonderful gift of life in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the point that John is making in John chapter 1. And this life is the light of men. It gives direction. It takes us out of our darkness and our confusion and our misdirection in life, and it leads us to direction. It does all those things that light, that we know the physical light does, but it's also the spiritual life. It awakens my spirit to know God, and it proclaims him and helps us direct our eyes, our attention in the middle of the darkness that cannot overwhelm it. It's speaking physical and spiritual of the evil that cannot overwhelm this light, which is the light of men. Isn't that a fantastic description of the gift that John is giving us? And John the Baptist, the apostle John writes, was just the witness of it. He was just pointing at it. He wasn't the light. He was pointing all people to that direction. He wasn't the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Verse 8, the true light, that is Jesus, the word, which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. But the issue, of course, is that the world didn't appreciate the gift, didn't know it, and didn't receive it. Said, now, I'll use the receipt. Take it back. Didn't fully appreciate the great gift. But to everyone, the word says, who does receive it, what happens? He gives the gift to become the children of God. Everyone who believes in his name the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the message of John chapter 1, that everyone who just receives it, you're not going to earn it, not going to do anything. You're just the person who takes it and receives and gives, gets the gift. That's the marvel of the generosity of God. There's nothing you're going to do next Christmas 
that will pay God back for the gift that you're going to get this one. So, he continues this wonderful description. And I love, I just want to point this out, verse 16. And from his fullness, he's just described, given this rich theological description of who God is and what he's done. From Jesus' fullness, we have all received grace upon grace, piled up high, like presents under the tree, only bigger, right? There's no measure of this, of the picture of the wonders of the grace of God. He's just poured it on richly to us. So what do you do with that? What do you do do with the remarkable generosity, the overwhelming, staggering generosity of God? Well, think about what your neighbors do with it, what your friends do with it. Um, We can disbelieve. We can think, um, no, God, if he does exist, would never be like that. And the vast majority of people in our world are in this camp. They, They don't believe that God, if he does exist, could be like this because God is not like ourselves. We view God in small letters, like he is like us. So how could someone be that generous when we know that in our generosity there's always strings attached? Yet that's not the nature of God. The nature of God is that he gives and over-the-top gives and with no strings to Lance this morning, to, to you this morning. He's just generous. Now, I can disbelieve that, but it doesn't disprove the generosity of God. The generosity of God still is there for you and for me, this giving God who has given his son. In human history, it's, it's there as fact for us to appreciate and to know. So I can disbelieve it, or we can abuse his generosity We can understand, and in fact, I believe all of us are guilty of this. Every one of us has abused the generosity of God. We've understood in part what it looks like, but not fully responded to the generosity of God in the way that we should have. And we trivialize it with, you know, Santa decorations in the front, you know, of our our living rooms. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't have Santa there. I'm not making a value judgment on what kind of decorations you have in your house. But we can trivialize it and abuse the the great generosity, overwhelmingly staggering greatness of this season that we celebrate. And we want our neighbors to understand this and the people we work with to understand how great the goodness of God is for them. That even when they did nothing to deserve it and most things to not earn it, they're like us. And yet God is still giving of himself and still fantastically generous. Or we can have this other option. Instead of disbelieving or abusing, we, we can imitate it. We can see the generosity of God and let God so carve our character and reshape us that we start becoming like the Lord. We can believe in him and on his name as John calls us to become his children, and start acting like your kids start acting like you. Sometimes that's scary, right? (laughs) They might say a phrase or do something your wife or husband does, and you're thinking, oh, no, I wish they they wouldn't have done that. At least that happens in my home. Maybe it doesn't happen in yours, but, but this is good, that his kids start imitating the father, 
we imitate him, we see his generosity, and it provokes something in us, a spirit of generosity, the Lord's generosity, and we see his great gift to mankind, and we say, yeah, I have to participate in that. As a follower of his, I want to imitate his generosity because the best response I can offer God in the face of his generosity is to act like him. So how do you do that? That's the question this morning. You don't just receive the generosity of God and walk out of here and not be affected by it because that's abusing the generosity of God. We're called to imitate it, to follow that model. So how do you put that in the flesh? Well, there's one reason why we're doing the toy run, and that's not just to do another event around the campus here or to connect with all these tow truck drivers. So that's really cool, and we like to do that. But it's to model the generosity of God for those people who can be spoken to by the love of God in concrete ways to give gifts. That's, that's part of the generous, generous nature that, that we see in God and we want to reflect, right? And then when we do that, the guys that Dino brings that he connects with, um, they see that, that this is unique, this is different. It's not just like, you know, token generosity, but it's actually meaningful because we're trying to communicate the love of God and we're doing it in a response, not of trying to earn favor or, you know, put another notch on how great we are, but we see the generosity of God and say, wow, wouldn't it be great for me to be generous this week in a practical way? There are other ways a lot of different ways for us to respond and reflect the generosity of God. But I wanted to put one in context, um, and I'm going to ask Sparky and Debbie to come on up. And Hey, one of your kids woke up this morning, too. Isn't that cool? A couple of them. Hey, would you have them welcome the Van Sprecklers? They're going to come up. And I need you to give them a little grace because uh, they just returned from a trip early this morning, and... Whoa, you guys, you're awake. You didn't get here the second or first service, but I'm totally, totally glad you're here. Yeah, this is Van Speckler family. And um, I just, I asked them uh, when we were driving up from Mexico yesterday, I uh, was talking with Sparky and saying, hey, I know that um, what this trip, uh, going down to Mexico, one of the things it's done, because it's done it in my family, is kind of provoked generosity and you guys you you started doing some practical things and then you saw the fruit of what God was doing in your family and I just wanted you to speak to it briefly so this is Sparky if you don't know yeah. and this is Debbie oh, Debbie Megan Annalisa and Matt and our four yeah. daughter is in LA right now we dropped her off last night on the way home uh, but yeah one of the things that uh, in response to God's generosity Bridges Community Church has been going on a family mission trip to Mexico for the last eight or nine years, I believe. Mm-hmm. A, lot of, a lot of you guys, have, a lot of people have gone on those family mission trips. And it's really neat. Um, four years ago, uh, we were blessed with an opportunity as a family to join one of the family mission trips to Mexico. Um, we go down to Mexico in the summertime. To Three teams go down, and we were part of that to um, put up a vacation Bible school for orphans at the coast near Ensenada, and then uh, during Thanksgiving, three teams go down every year um, to the actual orphanage where we get to love on the, the orphans. And uh, what has been really neat over the last four years as, as a family we've gone down is to see our family and our kids especially respond in different ways to God's generosity. And it's been really um, awesome to see 
how they have stepped out um, out of their comfort zone when they're down in Mexico, when they are tired and you know after a week of living in the dirt <laughs> and playing on, and you're just tired, how they keep on loving the, the niños, we call them niños uh, or niñas, uh, how the kids keep on loving them because they, ref they reflect God's love for us. Um, another way um, that's been really neat is like leading up to those mission trips is how the kids have, and then Debbie have been preparing um, God's uh, generosity. Um, when they were on the drama team, they would uh, rehearse many, many times leading up before the mission trip. Uh, and it was just a practical way where the kids loved being part of that. Another way was when uh, all the people from Bridges bring in donations when we put together care packages for the orphans to show our love for the orphans is how our kids helped or how as a family we were able to put these care packages together and then hand them over as a representative from all of you. But it was really neat to see how um, that is a reflection of God's love that God has, that Jesus has for us. That, how that's reflected in our actions in a practical way. Um, one other thing I've noticed over the last couple of years is um, God's generosity is really contagious. It, it, it is really neat to see how, as we share our experience when we go down there, how God has impacted our lives, how that is so contagious because we're sharing with our friends, we're sharing with our family, we're sharing with our coworkers, and actually real practical, um, our oldest daughter, uh, she's in L.A. right now, we dropped her off. Um, she was able, because she was sharing with her friends, she was able to bring one of her friends down over the Thanksgiving weekend. And then uh, another practical one was Megan. She, over the last two times, she was so uh, excited about what was going on, about God's love for the Ninos, that she was talking to a friend of hers, and she came along for two, two times now. So it's been really nice, really cool to see how God's generosity is so contagious. I love that, um, that picture we were talking about it, how it began while you were thinking, wow, I, I don't know that I want to give up any vacation time, you know, to actually do this. And because your vacation time's limited, and to where it's led now, you know, to you guys as a family, um, learning about how do you respond to God's goodness and generosity, and then how does that spill over to your friends and other people? And I wanted to really affirm that. This is, this is not like your parents dragging you down, but this is how God has worked, you know, with you guys and through you guys and responding. Um, you don't do it, you know, try to earn God's blessing, but you do it in response to his love to you. And then you see this rich fruitfulness, right? You're with the kids and you see wow, I don't have what they have, but I can give them, even though I might not speak the language, I, I can give them love in response to the generosity of God. And God can do crazy things. He can even affect your friends in ways that you would have never expected. So I want to affirm that. And Debbie, yeah. I didn't let her speak the first service. I'm really sorry, Debbie. You looked like you were still, I, I won't, I, I'm not going to step there. I wouldn't say anything, never mind. <laughs> I was going to say, you looked like you were still waking up, so I was going to make Sparky say all the talking, but... Um, okay, so I yeah, had Debbie. coffee now, so... <laughs> um, I just, I want to say it, just something simple. Um, I know the, the, our three Mexico teams that um, we don't think at all going down there as um, giving, you know, being generous of our time or, or money. We just... Um, it, it feels like... 
the generosity of God's love flows out to the ninos and ninas and the staff, and that's our heart pulls us there. And um, there's no count of cost at all, and it really feels more like a privilege that they let us into their lives, and it feels their relationships just feel like a gift. And um, I think any kind of ministry that you get involved in, um, you, you can't know that ahead of time. Uh, you, you, but God turns that around every time I see it. He just turns it around, and you don't know until you try it. Mm, great. Thanks, you guys, so much. Appreciate it. So you don't have to go down to Mexico to be generous, right? It could be one of the tools that God uses in you and your family. And, um, and you don't have to be at the, the t- toy run, but you could be. Uh, these are tools that we at Bridges really want to encourage you with so that you might respond to the generosity of God and let it spill out of your life. Perhaps it might take another form. Perhaps you want to throw a Christmas party at your house for your neighbors so that they might understand the generosity of God. Um, perhaps you just need to go to one neighbor who's in need this season and bless them over the top and just let them know, hey, this is a response um, because God has been so generous with me and pray that that opportunity might spark conversation with them. But I would challenge you to not be a person who abuses the generosity of God, but who acts on it who allows it to reshape you in practical ways this week, not as a, as a trying to earn the generosity of God, but just as you deeply appreciate how profound the nature of his great gift is and respond to it to draw other people to life. This is the greatest gift, that he has given us the opportunity to have life in his name and then to imitate that. Let me pray for you that God might bless you and encourage you and stimulate you to walk with him. Father, thank you for this generous gift. There could well be people here who have yet to embrace it. They, they might be in disbelief or they just might be taking advantage of it but never have taken a step to actually trust in you and believe in your name. I pray you would draw them this Christmas season, even today, to that place where they would trust in you and receive this gift. I pray for those of us who have taken that step and received it, that we'd respond to your generosity and become like you, imitate your generosity this season, the sake of your glory, and that others might see you and know you and the wonder of this great gift. Thank you. We pray these things in the word, the name of the word, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. For more information on Bridges Community Church, please check out our website at www.bridgescc.org.